0: welcome to PNH Expanded. This is the post Newcastle away edition. I um, wanted to start with uh, our sliding doors moment as we do each week. The moment in the game where I feel that the game swung. Um, I've decided to um, go with uh, the the tempo of the entire game was almost foreign to most Arsenal games. There's been a few this year that have seen the one and two touch passing, the quick decision making, um, that Arsenal rarely buy into for an entire game. Um, Can't remember uh, an entire game where we've managed to pull that off. As I said in my blog, we seem to be a patchy team. We seem to manage whatever it is we're trying to achieve in uh, maybe 20, maybe 30-minute blocks, but then the other team seemed to creep back into the game and we lose our way. That didn't seem to happen. Uh, so I have to credit Arsenal um, for the tempo that they set with their their rhythm and their passing. And, and, uh, and it was so much better than it normally is. But I think the other piece of this is that uh, I think that it discouraged Newcastle. I know Newcastle may have been considered to be on the beach, but they're not safe yet. Things could turn around. They are quite a few points from safety, in actual fact. But I find that um, when I coach, if my team can um, start the game quickly, make quick decisions, it deflates the balloon for the other team. It sucks their motivation out to believe that they've got a chance and... You know, we went 1-0 up and Newcastle didn't really push on. I know it's Newcastle and they have a tendency to sit back, as their fans will tell us. Um, But they seem so discouraged. And it's not just the quick uh, tempo of passing. It was how quickly we um, recovered after we lost the ball and pressed quickly, again, the entire game. And uh, again, as I said in my writings, I found that highly frustrating that we chose to do that in the most meaningless game of the entire season, um, but hopeful that we'll replicate it on, uh, on Thursday. So that for sure is the sliding doors moment, because without that, I don't think that game would have been anywhere near as comfortable um, as Newcastle were on somewhat of a, a run. Uh, the positive I wanna um, expand on is uh, the performance of Granit Xhaka. Again, he, as ever, is quick to have his critics jump out when he makes even just one mistake, which is about all he's made at left-back in about four or five games, is one mistake. And it wasn't a good one in the previous game. Um, But I wanted to applaud him. I do think he'll start at left-back on Thursday. I think the only other option is uh, Bucky Osaka. Um think that if Gabriel or Cedric were going to play uh, left back then they would have been given some time there. Uh, to, you know, Certainly yesterday they'd have been given some time uh, to adjust but beyond all of that um, my thoughts on why Mikel Arteta did not sub Granit Xhaka. Um, I go through this on a regular basis is what message that sends out to a player who's on a yellow card if you show what can be perceived as nervousness and take him off. Lack of trust perhaps uh, and nervousness and you've got to be careful as a coach whether you really want to get into that. Uh, I know it's off the back of the Danny Ceballos incident where he should really have been taken off. Maybe that one was a little different because he was really teaching on the edge. Um, But uh, Arteta decided to not do it. And I can support any coach that wants to trust the player, um, especially in a game like yesterday. Again, different to the Danny Ceballos incident. That game was bigger. There was far more on the line. But you just can't. With the amount of yellow cards that are dished out, I don't know what the average is for any one team in a Premier League game, but I'd imagine it might be three, let's say. You can't be taking those players off because you're afraid they're going to get a red card just because it makes the fans nervous. You're the one who has to make the decisions. They don't. And um, they just get to get frustrated at you. And uh, you have to live with that decision uh, behind the scenes. And the feeling that you gave the player... That you made them nervous you felt that they were going to make a mistake um and so you did something about it before it happened not always a smart thing to do the uh the need that i wanted to uh, expand on was the use of martin Erdegaard. i i wrote about how um only over a short period of time i feel like uh, we have not really seen him back to his best of course with him being out that can be somewhat expected this could be a lot of nothing Uh, but what I'm noticing (laughs) and he's not the only player that um, Mikel Arteta's style of coaching where he wants them to conform to you know his perhaps more robotic style of you know uh, filling the five lanes and Um, ensuring that you keep structure as that being the most important piece uh, beyond creativity and sucking maybe the creativity out of some creative players. I do have a feeling that there is some of that going on without wanting to be overly critical of the coach. What I'm seeing in Martin Odegaard though recently is that, you know, he plays um, in all four directions. He plays south, you know, he receives it back to goal and sets it, which is um, one of the modern tactics. Smith Rowe does a lot of that as well, setting the play, giving other players a chance to move forward. As you receive the ball, you're back to goal and you pass it backwards so other players can move off the ball and get into position. Um, There's value there in the system that we play for sure. Uh, He... um, connects so he's setting to the south he's connecting to the east and west which is you know laying it off combining one twos um doing it quickly and again this is good this is good this part of his game it's part of what's important in a creative player but here's the thing um Martin Odegaard is a different player maybe to a smith row his most important attribute is creativity when he's facing north when he's facing goal that he can make that slide rule pass. Um, We've seen it uh, a few times at Arsenal, we've seen it more on YouTube uh, with his previous clubs, but I don't think there's any doubt that if you look at Smith-Rowe as a comparison, Smith-Rowe sets and connects extremely well, connection, I think, for Smith-Rowe and combining might be his strength, you know, Um, and maybe the creation part facing north is not, what Smith-Rowe does best, but you've got to get the best out of your players and just a little nervous that we're spending time with Martin Odegaard, precious time, um, ensuring that he's playing to the south, playing to the east and the west, and not leaning into his number one strength, which is to the north, which is creating and moving the ball towards goal. And he's got, you know, in front of him, he's got Saka, Pepe, Bamiang, Martinelli, there's four in particular quick players who, if he could slot balls through and we could maybe lean into working on that as our primary uh, focus um, rather than the other directions that the ball can move, then it would uh, not only be leaning into Martin Odegaard's game and the best use of him, um, but it would be the best use of those other four players that I mentioned, who are all quick and could all finish and make us the more direct team, I think a lot of us a lot of us want us to be, you know, um, we can be a little pedestrian. And certainly I see on uh, opportunities to counter-attack, we don't lean into that. And that might be one of my biggest complaints of, of Mikel Arteta is how counter-attacks are often uh, shut down by a player setting the ball, passing it backwards or just, you know, maintaining possession rather than being dynamic um, and having the killer instinct to go forward and turn and go forward and turn and go forward. Uh, And Erdegaard has that final ball. Let's lean into that, right? The hope I wanted to expand on is Joe Willock. Of course, I saw him in the the stands uh, watching the game. Got me wondering what we are going to do. And I think like most fans, you kind of want to, take the money and run right um, because uh, he is going to bring um, I would imagine 15 20 million at the very least maybe more from Newcastle or somebody else that sees great value in um, something that very few players in the modern game have which is a, a box-to-box midfield midfielder that can score those days are behind us of that being a normal thing for a for every team to have or a version of and he has that but for me he's only a 433 player if you had him trying to do uh lean into his best talent running from deep and uh finishing chances uh running with the ball into the final third then he's going to leave the guy behind him exposed if there's a two man midfield But you see, a 4-3-3 has three different types of player. You should have a destroyer, a creator and a scorer, in my mind. All three of them need to have, ideally, as many qualities as possible that you would want in your midfielder. But I'm talking about their number one quality. Again, a destroyer, somebody whose best, most important quality is to deny. Intercept, tackle. A creator, again, who can do other midfield things, but whose main quality, like Fabregas was, is to create. And uh, a scorer. Um, Somebody, again, who brings other facets to the table, but really is in the team, because he can run from deep, time his runs, and can get you 10 plus goals a season. And there's nobody that can't tell me or you that Arsenal don't need a midfielder who can score more goals. Because we've scored two in the Premier League this year. So um, I think we keep Joe Willock if we play the formation that will fit him into. Uh, there's an argument you could keep him as a super sub. He's been used well there by Newcastle. When you become a little structuralist towards the end of the game. A bit more desperate perhaps. And... Um, Joe Willock would be ideal for that can we um, turn down 20 million though let's wait and see right finally what's next well (laughs) so we all know what's next what's next is Thursday what's next is um, we're all about to get very nervous and what's next is we're about to grab something to throw at Mikel Arteta if this doesn't go well right Not so much me, but I know most people are, and that's, I understand it. Um, This is what I would do on Thursday. Love to know what you would do, by the way. I would um, find the formation that has the best um, connections, natural connections that the players have made together. Um, Not necessarily the best players, just the best team with the best connections, and keep it simple. Mikel Arteta, please, please don't overcoach and try to be cute and throw something that will confuse the other team, but also confuse our team. That is what happened in the first leg. I would let Unai Emery lose the game. And what I mean by that is, and we are all familiar with Unai Emery, um, he is likely to want to go into a shell and hold on to what he's got and somewhat zap the confidence of his players and do it at odd times. We all have seen this before and I think if Arsenal just lean into their strengths and allow Unai Emery to make his players nervous and uh, I think that Arsenal will progress and they could progress quite easily because I don't think that Unai Emery does well with situations like this when he's uh, ahead. I think he's better the other way. So, hoping, praying, that um, we keep this simple. Cheers, guys.